Hey everyone, welcome to episode 220 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. And we are smack dab in the middle of summer. Frequent lightning storms, knocking out power, internet, home appliances by the dozens, a global pandemic, and of course hurricane season is here and alive and well in Florida. So as the Atlantic heats up and the skies continue to grow angry and bright with flashes of 1.21 gigawatts of power each afternoon, we can take comfort in knowing that at the very minimum, we're, we're about halfway through the summer and at least cooler, less humid weather is on the way eventually. But I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit too too close to uh, dreaming about that. Andy mentioned something this week about putting horses and carts and stuff like that in the right order. So I'm, <laughs> I'm probably out of line here, but... I also wanted to say just really quickly, a thank you to each of you who listen each week and share the podcast with your circles of influence. And I, I know we always ask for you to share and do those things, but it's, it's always rewarding to see people find enough value in what we're doing that they find relevant and important as a Christian community and body of Christ. I've seen our listeners, our listens increase over the last few weeks and by and large, their listens to old episodes and over kind of a defined period of time. So this suggests that people have found us some way. They've someone has shared it an episode or possibly episodes that resonated well, and they have resonated equally as well with those receiving that invitation to listen. And they've continued to listen and go back through the back catalog. So thank you. Sharing the podcast might be one of the least uncomfortable or the least um, intrusive ways that you can share your faith. It's pretty easy. It can be done via a text message, an email, a conversation over the back fence with your neighbor. It's pretty easy. So anyway, just wanted to say thank you and that I've noticed your work. All right. This week, we started a new series called Whole Life Discipleship with a message called A Whole Life Disciple. Seemed seems pretty clear, pretty easy. The premise of the <laughs> sermon outline was extremely simple and short, a little unusually so, I would say. It had this to say, Christian discipleship doesn't happen in a bubble. A disciple is part of a community. We are all a disciple of someone. Whose disciple are you and what is the cost of being a disciple? Now, I'm pretty sure that Andy was trying to bait us in with this because, you know, just speaking for only yours truly here, I've never listened to a discussion about discipleship, ever had a simple conversation about discipleship. Further, I've never listened to or been involved in a discussion about discipleship that was quick, easy, or solved anything. It seems that there are as many <laughs> definitions, Bible texts, Bible themes, interpretations, and maybes in people's minds that this can't be as easy as answering two simple questions. It really isn't that easy, is it, Andy? I don't think it's that complicated. <laughs> oh, oh, no, no. He said he, he just lobbed it. See that? He just lobbed that one right back over the net at me. And I, I, I like it. Well, I mean, we know as Christians anyway that the leader that we want to follow, as you pointed out in the message, and our most aspired to game of follow the leader in our lives, this is this just seems so simple when looking at Jesus' disciples. They just simply followed when prompted. I liked how you brought it. There was no fundamental beliefs, no memberships devoted, not even baptism, which I guess I never really thought about that before. But have we just made this process just way more convoluted than simply following the example of Jesus? It, it seems to me we have, yeah. It, it seems that we've we wrap it up in all kinds of other other packages. Um, as, as a as a great quotation from Craig Rochelle, where he says that we can either we can either control or we can grow. 
Mm. We, but we can't do both. Ouch. And it, it seems like with discipleship that the history of the Christian church is the more it becomes organized, the more it becomes systematized, and the more it slowly ends up growing. In those moments of uh, freedom, of, the, of simply following, without all these control factors in place, that the church has actually flourished. It doesn't seem like enough, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know I'm playing devil's advocate here, but it just doesn't it doesn't sound like enough. Well, you know, Randy, you're legit in in asking that question. Oh, don't I, validate him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I, I do. As, as Andy was was speaking, I was actually thinking because he, he brought up a game which he actually brought up the the nuance of the game because the game really isn't just follow the leader. The game was about creating a sense of can you do what I do? Yeah. Not only just do what I do, but I'm going to make it, I'm going to up the game each time. Mm, I'm going to make it harder and harder for you to follow my lead or follow the lead of the person behind me because because you start getting into this area of, uh, I don't think following the leader is good enough. And, uh, and so there's this idea of, I've got to make it a little bit more my own, or I got to make it a little bit more uh, personal. And, uh, and I think, I think sometimes that's what happens when the organizational part gets into it. It realizes that it has, a sense of self-preservation for itself rather than for the leader. Yeah. And, uh, and so I do think there is a complication to it. And, uh, and I think it has to do with just the human nature of the whole thing. You know, Jesus, when he, when he hired, (laughs) when he got, (laughs) when he, when he asked his followers to follow him, which is an interesting thing, he didn't hire them, did he? No. And yet there was a constant battle to try to help them understand uh, the first shall be least kind of a thing. But in follow the leader, it's always who wants to be the leader. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. That's kind of a, a deeper dive into this idea that if someone is leading, we don't just want to follow. We want to we want to put our stamp on it. We want to somehow put ourselves to outdo or at least, you know, it can't be just enough to be the same. And although with Jesus, I would say that that's a fairly high bar that, you know, is difficult enough that that seems all that seems all too much for us sometimes all on its own. But I I was wondering as I was as I was reading and and just thinking about the message this week, if we can draw maybe some correlations from the time that we spend with God, maybe just in silence, in study, in prayer, maybe in nature, wherever it is that we can find time with God to be quiet and alone and kind of compare that to the time the disciples had with Jesus day in and day out. I mean, they got to watch and listen and taking in all of his interactions and teachings. And I know Andy resonated with what your, your idea that we often imagine that it was easier to be a disciple of Jesus, or at least of the 12 that were by his side during his (laughs) ministry. And I feel that way. And then I wonder if I'm just making excuses that I just don't spend the necessary time myself 
And then I put my guilt into a, yeah, sure, but, you know, I'm busier than they were. I mean, what else did they have to do? It was Bible times. They didn't, they didn't have anything. Like you said, the Uber <laughs> wasn't coming to pick them up. They weren't scheduling, you know, appointments on their on their smartphone while they were waiting or, you know, they, they walked. But then it all seems like a cop-out. So I, I'm wondering if, if we can really, as far as discipleship goes, if there's a lot more to that quiet time that it seems like maybe now is one of the things that we have the hardest time committing to, if that's not maybe a key to what we miss in being a disciple. And maybe I'm too simplistic. I don't know. It just seems that Jesus came to these guys and he said, hey, follow me. And they did. And that's what made the disciples was following him. If you play follow the leader, you do what the leader does. And so you you just follow the leader. And, and, and I think sometimes we, we, we take we try to get the carts before the horses. Um, and we want to do the thing. We, we want to make a list of things that we disciples have to do. And this is what a disciple does. And make sure the disciple is doing this and then doing that. And, and really burden down discipleship. Whereas I, I think Jesus said, hey, you, you're tired, you're weary, you're heavy laden, come follow me, I'll give you rest. You know, it's it's that following Jesus and being a disciple, that following should should be as burdensome to us as wind is to a sailboat. Um, it's a force. It's powerful. It, it drives it everywhere it goes. But it's a good thing. It's, I mean, and, and I think the same thing, Jesus is just inviting us to Follow him. Uh, hmm. Am I being too? Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I a simpleton? <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. I, I, is, I, is, is he a simpleton? I I don't think so. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the disciples wake up every morning. The, those apostles, those people who woke up. I think you're right, Andy. I think they woke up thinking, man. How did I how how did I get into this group? This is the coolest thing. And yet they wake up every morning with a profound realization that they are a part of something that is so mysterious, so unlike what they've ever come around. I mean, they there there's a profoundness to that that even though it like you said, it's like the wind, it comes, I don't have to do anything per se in terms of my own efforts, but oh my goodness, it is so much bigger. I think they wake up every morning thinking, wow, I, I, I don't know where this is going to end, but I'm certainly going to follow. I yeah. think they, they couldn't help but think that. I think that's when, when Jesus comes to the end and is talking about, I'm the vine of the branches. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole idea of, of staying, staying engrafted, staying with him. Don't, don't, don't try to get ahead of things. Don't go off on your own. Um, I, I think the application to discipleship for us today is, is, is when Rainey talks about it, it's, it's gotta be more complicated than that. I think part of that is what I talked about toward the, more toward the end of the sermon about the fact that we oftentimes think of ourselves as individually having to, mature in this discipleship to a certain level and do certain things in a certain way, it, it seems that if you go back and you read Ephesians and recognize all the yous are plural, um, it's just a, it, all of a sudden it's, it's, the, it's the body of Christ together. It's all the disciples together that reach this full measure of maturity. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and I like the fact that it's been, uh, I think I mentioned this last week or maybe the week before, that we've been, as a family, been watching the show The Chosen. And I don't know if if you've seen it. If you haven't, it's an app that you can download. And it is uh, absolutely amazing the way they're telling the Bible story of Jesus. And, you know, not that everything is completely accurate, but it gives you an idea of what things could be. And Jeff, when you were saying that, I think they, you know, that they wake up every morning thinking like, I don't know where this is going to go and and what's going to happen, but that there was this sense of hope and this sense of, you know, following. And I've been, as I've been watching that, that's been kind of rubbing off on me in that respect the same way. And while, you know, they still got a lot of things wrong, they still didn't understand everything. But I think just that idea that, following was enough and waiting. And even though they plan, you know, who's going to be in the the seat of power and, you know, they had the idea of what kingdom, you know, he was bringing to the world was, you know, completely wrong. And so I think we can, we should be able to resonate with that and say, you know, if these guys were there every day and they didn't get everything, we don't have to get everything right or have everything figured out either. We just simply have to follow. I think that's to add so much more. Maybe, oh, you're sounding a little... You're sounding a little simple there. I, well, I'm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, then here, I'm, we're going to make it even simpler because Andy alluded to it a little bit just a couple minutes ago. And I didn't want to go any further until I made sure that in case you missed the message or you haven't caught it or you, you just listened to the podcast, I don't want you to miss something Andy said from the message that in many ways speaks to the confusion and maybe the core struggle that so many have had to deal with and possibly without realizing it totally, or maybe not until years later. He said, part of the confusion of discipleship has come from our making converts to a particular faith and practice, a particular denomination, and baptizing people into church membership rather than as disciples of Jesus Christ. In an ideal world, membership in the body of Christ comes with the decision to follow Jesus, which means to be a disciple of Jesus. And if we would get these carts and horses in the right order, it would be more difficult to have disciples of a belief system who are not first and foremost disciples of Christ. And that is, just let me start with a hearty amen in response to that. Um, That is something that I think once I realized that same thing, and that came from a conversation that I had with a pastor, and we were talking about baptizing and and I said, you know, and he's like, well, you know, who would a non-denominational pastor, like, who would they baptize people? Like, how would they baptize? Who, like, what membership? And I'm like, wouldn't they be baptizing them into the body of Christ, Jesus? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be it? And they literally had to scratch their And this very, very prominent pastor, very, very smart and very well respected. And that that concept was so foreign and I was like, am, am I wrong? Am I just way off base here? And then, you know, this brought back this conversation in my mind when Andy had said these words in the message. And I'm like, yes, somebody else thinks this too. And I think this is really important because I think it does create so much confusion. So Andy, thank you for that. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we can, we can, we can oftentimes think about becoming part of the body of Christ as, as a graduation of having been taught all this stuff that Jesus wants us to know. And so like now, okay, we got our diploma, we've passed all the tests, or we can see baptism as initiation mm. where you're baptized into Christ. And now the rest of your life, you're learning to walk after him. Uh, it's the, the, you're, you're being taught all the things 
how, how to obey all the things that he taught when he was here post your baptism. And so the baptism becomes a, 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 an initiation, a, a going public with the decision to be a follower of Jesus. And so, uh, so am I, I hearing am I, backwards. am I hearing you correctly then that dying to self happens along the journey, not before the baptism? It's, it, it's a never ending journey. I mean, we're such, we're, we're so blooming selfish. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of learning. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they were called disciples long before they, and I don't know if they ever, I don't know if we ever really are able to give up that self. Yeah, we, it's just such a hard. That's just a hard <laughs> thing to to say that I'm going to live completely without self preservation, without self aggrandizement, without self. All those pieces are <laughs> are always battles that we fight. Yeah. I think. Well, that's why our perfection is always in Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. where our perfection is. On the night on the night before the crucifixion and at the at the Last Supper, Jesus says to them, "You're all clean." Yeah. Yeah. You're all clean. You just need to have your feet washed, you know, and, and, but you're already clean. And that, and that's that. The reality is that that cleansing, that that wholeness, that perfection, is only in Jesus, right? Uh, yeah. In, in his in his redemption for us. And so what what we want what we want to do is we want to start adding up something on our own that we can figure out how we get some kind of credit for something. Yeah. Give it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I just think that so many people have been. That line of dying to self and, you know, I know of people that were not allowed to be baptized because, you know, they were caught in a visible sin like smoking or drinking or something that's outside the rules and saying, well, you haven't died to self. Clearly, you aren't ready to be baptized. And, I, you know, mm -hmm. that person to this day is, has, you know, walked away and, and never looked back. And, you know, I feel like that's something that we we put along with these these texts that say, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And it's it doesn't come through in a context, at least it hasn't for me in the past, that, you know, the fact that, you know, it all sounds a little scary and we generally dislike ideology that speaks into denying ourselves or taking up a cross, which sounds heavy and burdensome and you know who does who doesn't want to save their life? I mean, this seems like a serious marketing fail to the way we've maybe put these out there in the discussion of discipleship. And man, how many people does that scare away? Or how many people feel like there's no way I could do this? I would never ever measure up to all of these things. But yet that verse means so much. So something so much different. How do we convey this better to someone that might be listening or, you know, being introduced to the faith and they hear these kinds of things? And I know for me, it, it, it's still scary sometimes just listening to the to the words or the verbiage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I, well, <laughs> I'm always reminded. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm always reminded of that. It was a profound movie in its time, obviously, The Matrix, mm -hmm. where this this uh, I can't remember his name, but where Keanu Reeves uh, is Neil. whispered in his ear, and she says, "You've always you've always heard that voice, you know something." And I think that there is this idea that you know, we, yes, it's hard to to say that you're going to die to self. That's a, those are very hard words to hear. Mm -hmm. 
but when you truly acknowledge, and that's what I think one of the things that Jesus wants us to truly understand is that this really isn't our life. This isn't what was meant for us. So when we start to put that into perspective, that what, what he's really asking us is he's saying, if you really want your real life, if you really want the life that you right. were meant to have, this won't be a hard choice. But we get caught up in the, you know, that lie or at least that illusion of what we think life is or what life should be. Yeah. And when we start to believe that. So I, I do think that even though those are hard words to listen to, when it comes right down to it, the more we become aware of who we are as we relate to the leader of our life, as we relate to Christ. It, and and as, yeah, I'm sorry, Jeff. No, it just becomes... A, a little bit more realistic of a of a request. Yeah, I like that. I, I, like that. I think I think oftentimes we think about the sacrifices of self as being things that we're going to lose, um, and we become the loser. But but it's like Abraham Lincoln said, I don't I don't like that man very. I don't you know I don't like that man very much. I must get to, I must get to know him better. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jesus exactly. calls it, Jesus calls us to love our enemies, and so. Is is losing ourselves and loving an enemy, who ends up turning in from from enemy into friend because of our love for them? It, have we lost anything? Um, right. You know, it's and so we had to lose some pride, we had to lose some self righteous attitude, maybe about something, but to forgive someone uh, who's who's transgressed against us in some way, and all of a sudden to have them grateful for that in the relationship to actually deepen an intimacy, no one's lost. We, we we had we had to lose some pride. We had to say, "I'm you know I'm sorry." Either they forgive you, <clears throat> but we were able to to grow from those things to be more than we are. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> you know, there's there's a there's a side to this that's in 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 counseling. There's there's a lot of pieces at work. One of the pieces is to be known. You know, to be able to. Uh, to share, you know, some of those deepest pieces and corners of our life and to finally be known by somebody. That's a re that's such a relief. Mm. But but on the other side of that, to finally be able to see yourself, in other words, to not just be known by somebody, but now that person that you trust is now revealing pieces that you've never seen before. And so I think that's the the lie that we all live is the fact that we think that I'm protecting myself. But in actuality, Jesus says, no, die to that piece that keeps the lie alive. And mm. then you will believe the part that I see. And that part becomes a much more healing piece. Mm. So, that, yeah, in, in actuality, the the giving up of your of those of the, the lie of yourself, so to speak. Because oh, we're making more truth. I can, I can tell you about a lie that's happening. It's, we, this is called 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that lie has been unmasked for a long time, sir. <laughs> that was uh, that was merely a uh, that was merely a pipe dream. Many four and a half years ago, that was a pipe dream that three of us could sit down and we could keep this conversation to 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, of course, we're we're already 10 minutes past that nearly. So. Uh, but we're getting close to the end here. But the one fatal flaw to me that always seems to throw maybe any common ground that many of us will find and just throw it out the window in these discussions about discipleship is that 
we most often, and I'm speaking again from experience and for yours truly, we don't know what it means totally to be a disciple. What do I deny myself? What do I surrender to God in order to be a disciple? I'm pretty sure I don't know what all those things might be, could be. And if I did, Mm -hmm. if I did, would I know what to or how to remove them, add them, do them, don't do them? That seems, again, like just a piece that can keep us in neutral and keep us from moving forward. Is there a way that we can just look at this and take the unknowns and put them into something that we can relate to or that we can apply a little more simply other than to to say just follow? It's pretty simple. <laughs> I go back to the the prayer that's, re- that's actually in the book uh, Christ Object Lessons, I believe where it says, Lord, take my heart for I can't give it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> keep it pure because I can't keep it pure for you. Save me in spite of myself, my weak and Christ-like self. Mm. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of your love can flow through me. Oh, I like that. And, and, and we, we make a big deal about us giving our hearts to Jesus. Well, I think, I think we can give us what we don't have yet, but there's but, but really get us all – we have to just say, take us, you know, just take us. Just take whatever I don't know how to do, just take it because otherwise we're never going to move past this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, and I'm not sure that, uh, you know, as we, as we wrap it up, we, we head to our whole life takeaway this week. And one of them asked, why do we want to make being a disciple about more than just following Jesus? And I'm not sure there's a singular great answer here. I know that <laughs> my pride and my self-reliance are key players in not giving up control and fully surrendering to Jesus. I know that I like to solve problems and plan for my future. And I, I know that I'm so busy, way too busy, that I way too often leave God out altogether of that planning or at least consult with him way too late in the process than I should have and go, man, that probably would have gone a whole lot better had I just you know reversed these and put the horses and carts in the right order. So we would love to hear not only why you think we want to make discipleship about more than just following Jesus, but also how have you found ways to be a disciple that were easier or maybe more rewarding than you thought? Was it something that you found a text, some, a way that something was explained? Maybe it was today. You can say that. You can say, you guys were so great today that I've got this all figured out. Would love to hear that. That would, that would be great. Uh, how has your discipleship journey unfolded? Any of those would love to hear your thoughts on this because this really is in so many ways what defines us as individuals and then as a part of the body and at Whole Life Church as we try to be a church without walls engaging our community. This affects all of us, how we view being a disciple. And so you can send a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or as always, send it in an email. It's super easy, podcast at wholelife.church. And then our final thoughts this week came from near the close of Andy's message. He said, being a whole life disciple is not a solo part, but we are one of the choir. The times we're a little hoarse in the voice, those beside us carry the day. The time our partner comes unprepared, we help bring them up to speed. The choir director, Jesus, arranges us to either stand by some other member to help or be helped. None of us is expected to or is capable of, oh, I like that part, expected to or is capable of being the whole choir. The same is true of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Man, I'm clearly ill-prepared too too many times, and so that sounds like good news to me. I like it. 
<laughs> All right. Next week, we continue with the Whole Life Discipleship series, and the message will be on discipling like Jesus. It sounds like we're raising the bar and more expectations <laughs> if we're doing this uh, like Jesus. Stay, stay tuned for no, more good news. <laughs> <laughs> stay tuned for more good news. I like that. I could uh, always, I always like the good news. So. Well, it was good to be back with you both. And we, man, we are almost 15, maybe we're like 15 squared this week. So we're a little bit longer than usual, but you know, that's okay. That'll do it for this week though. We'll cut it now. So as always, join us next Tuesday evening for Speaking of Grace. And of course, Wednesday morning, we'll be back as usual. It'll be episode 221, Discipling Like Jesus. Can't wait for more good news. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great week.